1: Market-moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street.
2: Good morning, and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber. He is Jim Cramer. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready to start trading for another week right here on Wall Street. You can see that uh, you know originally we'd come in thinking we were going to be down.
3: At, Things at have reversed four a bit. We were looking pretty bad. I yeah, was, I was pretty concerned. It took away all the uh, fun of the Eagles' victory. Because I, uh, never mind, no, no Sports Talk today. Thank you. I, 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 I was I, way out of line with any Sports Talk. I appreciate that. Let's. Uh, we're not going to start our roadmap with Sports Talk
2: either. We're going to actually start it with those futures. But you why just is it up? That's Bouncing from red to green this morning. You see, it's based on nothing. Because the notes this morning, David, there's not a Maybe positive inflation notes. data and earnings, you know, we're going to get a view of it ahead. Uh, but, Jim, we're going to talk about that. We'll also talk about Rivian. Uh, that stock is down in the pre-market. Of course, this after the company said, yeah, we're going to recall all of our all of our vehicles. We'll tell you why. And Chinese chip stocks also uh, down sharply this after the U.S. calls for new curbs and providing advanced technology oh, right. to a lot uh, Chinese of on chip makers. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, let's get to the markets this morning, Jim. As we saw, the futures are in the green. Investors are bracing for inflation data and the kickoff of earnings season. A couple days away, we're going to get CPI Thursday. Uh, Four of the world's largest banks, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley, Citi, they will all report results. That's coming on Friday. But let's just start with this change. I mean, you know, even when you look at the journal headline from this morning at 7 a.m., futures not looking so good. Uh, You know, we're heading into another bad morning potentially as a result of the increase in hostilities in Ukraine, unfortunately, continued goings on in the bond market in the UK. Pick your pick your okay. poison. Hey. What happened?
3: Well, first of all, it's a holiday, so bonds can't hurt us. Uh, bonds have been hurting us. Second, Friday's reaction to both AMD's pre-announcement, not always really lingering on Friday, and to the jobs number was so negative as to almost build in, say, another 50 basis points. So people are now talking about four and a quarter, four, four and a half, maybe five. The two-year tells you that it's going to be five. I mean, because two years going to continue to go down price, and price up yield. So then you start thinking, well, if it's only going to be, say, five, then maybe it's not the end of the world if it's done slowly. And what, I'm, what a lot of the commentators were saying today, we're done slowly but getting there. And that's a lot better because that's less catastrophic. Right. So, look, I mean, what I'm basically saying is it's real bad. But it's not so bad as to be too. I know. It's and not so bad. We don't really bad. know
2: why the future's turned around. No. And who knows what the rest of the day will bring anyway when we start
3: trading 27 but you minutes later. think from about now. it. This morning at four, what was the theme? Well, OK, so Britain's panicking. All right. So uh, Russia's really stepped it up. We're really stepping up. Stepped ste- it up. As against in, yeah, China. causing even more carnage. Uh, yes. Ford's going to miss the quarter. It got that one very got early because it's a European call. Uh, UBS, you mean the downgrades? Yeah, yeah we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, we got the Proctor downgrade, which yep. was vicious and horrible and mean. Uh, that's because my child, trust knows it. And, and you, you come back, even Bristol Mars was downgraded. Dave, that's not supposed to happen, Google, So, w- what you come back to is perhaps it's another one of those sentiment moments where you had a trilogy here. You got the CPI, the PPI, and then you have the jobs, but the jobs is far away. Is it really possible that one of those, that all three are going to be bad? word last time, but I'm the PPI. It's not so bad. So I think people are betting that the first of the three might be okay, based on the fact that we don't have to worry about the bonds today. Um, but we are going to
2: start to get earnings. We just looked at, it, yes, uh, looked remember, at a yes, and remember one graphic, good You know,
3: Pepsi, and
2: then obviously a number of others, and then the banks later in the week. Um, you know, Jim, there are still those who believe that S&P earnings are going to come in next year below 200. That we're going to start to get the guidance that apprises uh, the market of that fact right. um, that we've had demand destruction from rates that we haven't seen the end of yet. The wage increases that we've talked about are still coming through. Not to mention expenses are higher in general. People are traveling How again at companies, for example. The sheet of
3: America has. Guys, reading a courts article today using St. Louis Fed, uh, the balance sheet for for individuals is now lower than 2008. You you signaled that to me last week when you said that the consumer is more strapped than you realize going into a possible recession right? just extraordinary. It is uh, and so you you can
2: you know there are those who still want to make a case for the fact that if you apply 15 multiple in the S&P and you really think we're going to get a number of, for earnings next year that's around 200 we've got a lot more downside.
3: We know that going in the, into a down year is a clarion call to raise cash. We know that cash is giving you a great return. So. All you can really hope for as your bull is that the price target cutting stops and that the industrials have stimulus money from from actual building of things. But David, you don't have anything related to PCs or cell phones, and you have nothing related to China. That's a big chunk of the market that is a hole in in 2023 earnings. Yeah. Um, Coming back to the bigger picture, of
2: course, uh, Paul Tudor Jones was a guest on Squawk Box. You saw him being interviewed uh, by Andrew, if you've been watching it all for the last half hour or so. Here's what uh, he had to say about inflation.
4: The Federal Reserve Board is fighting something it hasn't seen really in almost four decades, which is inflation. And inflations it's a bit like toothpaste. Once you get it out of the tube, it's it's hard to get it back in, right? And so the Fed is, it's, Fed is furiously right now trying to wash that taste
3: out of their mouth. <laughs> well, look, I think it's David, they have mouthwash and it's called rate hikes. And the consumer's now strapped. I gave you that number back to August 2008. Uh, we simply don't have a, a, a portfolio in I want the to country. stop on
2: this consumer strap thing, because we were sitting here with Carl on Friday well, numbers, talking about savings rates still being and uh, being high. So I what number this, are you working with? I'm that, using the
3: Federal Reserve numbers from the, the tremendous St. Louis Fed, which is talking about $555 billion in savings, lowest since August 2009, happened $6.4 trillion during the inflated part of 2020. So they spent it all. So that's a, that's a data point that says it's gone. Yeah. So... Remember what I said is going to end this morass. The Fed wants wages. Yes, you People, said people, and wealth, wealth, wealth. wealth, and wealth. Wealth destruction. And that's why when I listen to Paul, my love, I say to myself, we, we, we're like two employment numbers away from layoffs. Because when you hear all this, I was with two PE firm people this weekend. David, they're not, they're not able to come public. If there's any cyclicality, they're all faced with, uh, they, not, they all have variable loans. Uh, IPOs out west, nothing. The layoffs are just in different places in the economy. They're going to be in PE and they're going to be in uh, the west coast. So wages go down. Your portfolio goes down. Your balance sheet goes down. Do we really think that inflation is going to continue to roar? I mean, to me, that's a setup for inflation peaking. Mm -hmm. But the quarter... It can't peak until rates get a little just I And I, just, I still
2: am very, I'd be very curious again to see what kind of language we get around guidance from, totally. from uh, the companies that, that are reporting earnings. I mean, you know, Nike and FedEx and, uh, and any number of others have not been
3: great no. over the last couple of weeks. FedEx has got uh, international problems. Nike has international problems. Well, we have a lot of internet. We have companies, broad companies that are all set up to have the same international problems. There were so many companies that we didn't realize were levered to China, so many that were levered to gaming, so many that were levered to having a stable dollar. So that really eliminates so many companies. You have these small cap, mid mid cap places that people are hiding. You know that's not good. The oddest thing, David, when I looked, I did this weekend, I did a big memo for club members. The cheapest stocks are stocks like Alphabet, uh, stocks like Metaverse. They're cheap, and uh, Amazon has come down a lot. Yeah, Microsoft's not cheap. Apple could still fall. And what I was using is an analysis of 2019 against 2019, pre-pandemic, which is a and, good analysis. And to, David, at least yeah. These, yeah. many of these stocks are below where they were in 2019. No, not Microsoft. And many you know, companies are still making a lot more money. So uh, I mean, I want to move think, on. But do you think there's anything that I said that's a reason for
2: buying? No. I haven't heard anything you've said this morning that is a reason necessarily for I'm searching like
3: everybody else is for the futures.
2: Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, automakers this morning. Uh, Many of them are going to be down. That is the stocks. Of course, they were down last week, too. UBS downgrades Ford and General Motors. It cuts Ford to a sell. It had been a neutral. GM is now a neutral. It had been a buy. You can see at least what the stocks are looking like uh, when we start trading 20 minutes from now. UBS saying the industry is rapidly moving towards vehicle oversupply following three years of unprecedented pricing power. Separately, Rivian's getting crushed. This uh, you may have heard. They're going to have to recall pretty much all the vehicles they've got out there on the road. That's to fix a potential steering issue. Won't take them too long to do that fix. But it's never good when you have to... Now, here we're only talking about 13,000 vehicles, no, but it's, but it's faster, not good.
3: It's a faster from the stream, just to go on Ford, they, they're having a lot of problems with the PE firms in terms of being, those are the firms that supply. They all kind of bought, they, you know, the PE firms, they consolidated and bought all these uh, parts companies. And David, Europe has been. So I, I think the Jonas, I told you, I, I questioned the Jonas upgrade of Ford. Adam think, Jonas, yeah, Morgan Stanley, Now my the analyst. just sold a ton. Yields five. Anxious to buy it back. Have to wait for the quarter.
2: Well, I mean, that's been a, just an ugly run for Ford. Yeah, UBS may be a little late here. Feels, I think they are, I too. Mean, gee, really? Down 44% and now you downgraded? But,
3: well, but I guess, look, the problem is if you're going to recession, you can't own the automakers. So doesn't really matter. I haven't been thinking of 5% yield. I'm anxious to buy it back, but I really want to see the quarter.
2: I want to bring in our man on all things auto as well, Phil LeBeau. Just get his take on, you know, both the downgrades this morning, Phil, and also some of the details around this Rivian uh, recall and what the impact may be.
5: Uh, David, let's start first off with Rivian. Uh, You are correct. They're recalling basically every vehicle that they have delivered since they began manufacturing last year. It's about 13,000. They've manufactured 15,000 since the beginning of last year. As recalls go, and I know some people are going to sit there and say, you're recalling every vehicle. Why is it not that big of a deal? It is significant. I'm not trying to diminish it, but at the same time, keep in mind there are no accidents involved. There are no deaths and fatalities. Uh, what you have is a situation, a potential situation, when it comes to the steering on these R1, primarily R1Ts, where they've had seven reports. They've gone and they've checked and they said, look, the fastener needs to be torqued a little bit more. They, will, they believe they can take care of this within the next 30 days. Now, that's the good news if you're bullish on Rivian. The bad news is this raises questions about whether or not these guys can ramp up their manufacturing and do it in a smooth fashion, not only in the fourth quarter, but over the next couple of years. Remember, they want to start building more vehicles at a new plant they're uh, going to be building down in Georgia. And they're just adding a second shift. Uh, in central Illinois. So that's the issue with Rivian. I'm not surprised the stock is down 7 or 8%. That seems fairly appropriate. Uh, as recalls go, it is not a monster, catastrophic, terrible, it's the worst thing in the world. It is not good. I'm not trying to diminish that, but, but keep right. it in some perspective there. And then when you take a look at what's going on with GM and Ford, guys, the, the question is, when do you believe that the inventory will build back up to a normal level it's at about 30 to 31 days supply right now normal is 65 it is increasing but when i talk with dealers they still see a lot of people more demand than supply and ubs says that's going to change in the next couple of months others are saying that might be a little bit too ambitious there well uh,
3: i've got to tell you phil uh, it must be a nightmare to have the ability to have many of your cars and trucks almost made uh, while you still have good consumer demand. I'm thinking about Ford here. But GM has a—they're a, yeah. really thinking very future-oriented. And, and it almost seems like the, everyone, both Ford and GM, are just saying, listen, you just wait till 2023. You just wait till 2024. That's great right. if you're waiting for a car. But if you're a shareholder, why do I have to wait? Shouldn't I just, just get closer? and buy it and just not own them now? I kind of feel like that's what people are saying.
5: Well, you get to the main question, Jim. Where's the trigger? Where's the bell that rings that you know? Here we go. These guys are gonna be ready to go off to the races. It it feels like they are fighting headwind after headwind after headwind. And, And I can understand, because when you talk with analysts, they sit there, they can point out six or seven main problems that these guys are gonna be facing beyond their control. Some of it being the economy, some of it being, you know, what you're seeing with pricing and and inflation. So I I really think that's the question you're asking is, when will you know? When, you know, I know nobody rings the bell when it's time to buy, but where is the bottom is what you're asking. Perfect. Exactly right. Worries me. Phil, you're so spot
3: on in all this, and that's absolutely right on the Rivian. Amazon still wants every Rivian, and this was a a polite recall. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, terrific, um, Phil. Thank you. Always great to get uh, Phil LeBeau's you take bet. on on all these things. We'll keep an eye, obviously, on all those shares. When to pull Rivian. the trigger?
3: So right.
2: Well, invest. that's in general. Yeah. When are we? I mean, right. we're not going. I you know we're not going to know. But you know
3: what you said. That think about what you said about the Ford downgrade being late. Yes. Okay. Well, when do you pull the trigger? Is it ten? I mean, it was. It's certainly not twenty-three where it was. No. So I think that we can't lose sight of the fact that. People who now downgrade are going to look not as good as I think as Adam Jonas at Morgan Stanley, who hated it all the way down. This is remind right. me, we haven't even talked about TUSA of late.
2: No, we haven't. 3M, great GE These are yeah. core names. I know. Very tough. Well, so we got to take a quick break. Well, we're going to have time to talk about TUSA and GE, which we haven't, you're right, no, in a long haven't. time. It's Let's give you another check on futures, of course. We open in 15 minutes. Uh, as we've discussed, uh, Looked like we're going to be down a bit. Now it looks like we're going to be up. We're also getting some comments from Chicago Fed President Charles Evans. He's saying inflationary pressures are increasingly broad based. Overshooting rate rises has costs uh, to the economy, and great uncertainty remains over how high rates must rise. Interestingly, he will join us. Oh, nice. Yeah, next nice, hour. Nice. I don't want to miss that. Walk on the Street comes right back after this All right, up next, we're going to have uh, Jim's mad dash. We'll count you down to the opening bell as well, about 11 minutes from now. Let's give you a look at the S&P laggards, at least the stocks that seem to be likely to lag. That's ahead of the bell. Of course, we've already talked about a couple of them being Ford and GM. you also see PayPal at the bottom of that list. More Squawk on the Street after this. All right, welcome back. Uh, we get to do a standing mad dash for the first time in a while. Of course, got an opening bell about eight minutes from now. Procter and Gamble, or P yeah. as we refer to it, uh, gets an upgrade today. No downgrade. downgrade. Excuse me, from a downgrade.
3: I'll tell you what's interesting about this, David. They're really coming for all the uh, the kings. I mean, Google and I downgraded Bristol Myers and told us that's uh, uh, the Goldman downgrade of Procter is really it's saying buy Kraft Heinz, so you buy the worst. And you sell the best, but it says the proctor's going to have a lot of problems uh, with all sorts of different, you know, the dollar and that it's been so great. And they're losing share, is what they say. Now, I've not gotten or confirmed one bit that they're losing share. Here's what I say. This is going to be a fulcrum stock. Why? Yields three. All right. It is a big buyer of plastic. Plastic prices coming down. A big buyer of paper, liner board. That's coming down. Big buyer of surfactants, the stuff that's inside uh, a, a shampoo bottle that's coming down. It's got supply chain improvements that are no longer as bad, and yet they downgrade it now. So what I'm saying is is that down 25%, you're you're downgrading basically one of the best companies in America with a 3% yield. It's actually levered to a lower producer price index. But that's where we are now. Hmm. And it's discouraging as a shareholder, my trust owns it, because those are all good reasons to own, I just gave you. there's a big give up going. Are on. they really saying to,
2: to trade into Kraft Heinz? Or, I yeah. mean, is it actually one yeah. of those kind of...
3: Well, yeah, you know, they, they've got to find a better one, worse we one. We
2: haven't it. talked about Kraft Heinz in ages, and well, certainly you, you, not in a very long time in any sort
3: of a positive way. Well, they've got some raw costs that are coming down, but what they really have is, is that the stock never did anything, so it's a lot safer than this one. But, David, Proctor's a well-managed company. Remember when when Nelson Peltz was on the board, 90 all the way to 150. But what worries me here about selling it is that when do you get back in? 118? Do you get back in, say, at 117? This is a quality company. If you take it to a hold, does that mean it goes to 120, or are they thinking 100? At 100, it's got a great dividend and a buyback. I want to watch this stock because management's terrific. And if it if if it's bad, it's going to. A whole new set of stocks that are going to get hammered.
2: All right. And one, at one point, some point, we'll take a look at Kraft Heinz, too. Uh, but right now, we've got an opening bell a few minutes away. Remember, though, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. Opening bell in five minutes. Chinese chip stocks, that is Chinese companies that make semiconductor chips. Those stocks are falling. The U.S. announced new export controls. These are aimed at limiting Beijing's ability to produce advanced military systems uh, and other advanced systems as well. The sweeping rules mean companies now need to apply for a license if they want to sell certain advanced computing semiconductors or related manufacturing equipment to China. And Jim, uh, it's not just our companies, but if, if a foreign company, Non-U.S. company uh, is using American tools to produce high-end chips for China. It too will need a license, and the expectation is these licenses are going to be very difficult to get.
3: Right, and and the implication is that Lam Research, KLA, and Applied Materials should be heard But what about Nvidia? Okay, so what what does it
2: mean for a company like that that has uh, amongst the most advanced chips that are used? And this is not just military. Obviously, AI, though, where the Chinese have equaled us, if not exceeded us in some of what they've been able to
1: do. NVIDIA has very quickly come up with a
3: solution that they believe will be acceptable to both sides. Uh, Really, I'm not saying they disabled the chips, but the chips that they're sending are now gaming chips. Now, could someone turn gaming chips, you know, plowshares into military weapons? I guess so, but NVIDIA is quite confident that they've complied. I think this is much more about semi-equipment. In the same way that we've succeeded in getting ASMLF from Blah, you can't really make chips without ASMLF. But this is a ratchet up to the point where what you're really saying is listen, we don't trust you in intellectual property, so we're not going to let you have it. Right.
2: Uh, no, it is without a doubt another step up in terms of just the overall
3: tension between our two countries. But David. Um, it comes at an odd time. You're about to have the coronation of presidentship. After that, why wouldn't there be uh, some a little more peace? Because he's been so tough on us, and he's meeting Biden. Uh, All this is—there is a Boeing, by the way, 737 MAX in the skies there. What I'm saying is is that this is very military-oriented. And at what point does does China just say, all right, enough, we understand you're not going to give them to us. We'll go into an armed with you, but we're not going to use your stuff. I just don't know whether we're going to step up. Henry Kissinger is adamant. And I still think he's a pretty smart guy, that better times could occur here. you oh,
2: can always hope.
3: By the way, don't forget the Chinese, what they can't get, they've often been able to steal.
2: Use um, theft of our intellectual property. There's the opening bell. And you can take a look at our CNBC Real-Time Exchange back at our headquarters in Englewood, New Jersey. Here at the big board, Greenfinders Homes is transferring to the NYSE from the NASDAQ over at the NASDAQ inside of Enterprises. That is a business-to-business company doing the honors. All right, uh, you know, banks, gonna...
3: banks, people are so hopeful.
2: Yeah, the earnings are coming up. Anything uh, sort of on your radar that's a key to this market for well, trading did, today, Jim? I did have
3: an interview, please don't get mad at me, with James Gordon, who was from Morgan Stanley. Yes, I'm aware of who he is. Yeah, Quite positive about the possibility that we were going to get, say, four unemployment uh, maybe the Fed peaks at four in terms of uh, where it might increase rates and basically therefore traces out a pretty positive scenario given the fact that, remember, they don't have nearly the exposure uh, because they have its margin and the customers have the stock. So it's, it's, it's less levered to the possibility of a recession. But David, the, typically you're not supposed to buy bank stocks into a recession. You're supposed to buy a stock like Merck, which was upgraded today, but Guggenheim. Uh, Kraft Heinz acting well off of the Goldman. But, but let me say this, David, everybody's so negative that it would be quite a surprise to see something positive. We had had some notes this morning uh, saying buy J.P. Morgan and buy, buy J.P. Morgan into the print. I know, but Jim, gutsy. that
2: is in part because, and, and I know others keep these statistics handy, but I don't remember J.P. Morgan shares ever going up after an earnings report over the last year or two. It feels like uh, no i think it, that's it, correct it, 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 it doesn't respond positively or at well, least it hasn't in some time to earnings i earn think
3: this. That some of that and I, I it has to do with commentary uh, there is kind stock of stock
2: is down more than the s&p for the year by right, the way about right, 33% you know, so far Jamie the
3: ceo has at times been incredibly cautious at times been very worried and that kind of transcends the numbers uh, that's not been the case at Morgan Stanley, and Brian Nguyen has been very positive when he speaks, as has, by the way, Larry Fink, who's under some pressure again. At BlackRock, right. Yeah, but that is like, because he's too green. I've got to tell you, if you're going to pull a billion because he's too green, let me tell you, you're giving him $100 because he's not too green. He has been saying, I think, what the policy of, of the country has become, which is, we have to go brown to green slowly yes. so we don't become German. That's the wrong uh black. We're talking BlackRock guys. Yeah, in the that's
2: it. That's uh, That's mistaken. That, that is a great alternative asset manager BlackStone that but I'm the, happy to talk about as long as people want. But he, here we're talking about BlackRock. He, he, you know, it's been interesting to see the of uh, this this gentleman comes on squawkbox all the time making a lot of raising a lot of money. What was it Strive or something like that. Um, with the anti-ESG platform. Well, I, I just there said, is a real battle going on here. You'd have a number of states that are now wanting to withdraw funds from anyone but, who's but following I, an ESG. I think that
3: going strategy. after Larry Fink and his is so long-headed. Mr. Fink has thought more about the slow nature and is closer to and knows more about the oil patch than almost anyone. I mean, what do we want from a fund manager? Do we want them to be pressuring them to be like what happened in Germany, so vulnerable? Or do you want someone balanced who says, over time, we got to get more green? Because David, think about the people who will be running money 10 years from now. There are people who have come of age in an year when we realize that we have no choice because of the globe, because of worries about the planet. So I think he's more in tune with what's going on than anyone else in large large, ca- in the, in this world, right. and it is going to be uh, valued as a, as a source of truth, not vilified as a source of fiction. No,
2: I, I get that. Um, one area that I've always had some questions about is those who are sort of ESG saying, you can't invest in this company. You can't invest in that company because they don't get great scores when, in fact, if you're an active investor or have the influence that a BlackRock does or other firms, you can change their behavior to a certain extent. Right. You can get them to focus on things that ultimately you would expect will actually generate a better return over time because of the strategies they may employ that does also reduce their carbon footprint. Well, what are the two Um, best performers so far? And so it's just funny when you block investors from certain, certain companies. It doesn't necessarily make sense to me when, in fact, you know, you might actually be able to influence their operations
3: such that it would be a, a better outcome for and, the planet. And if you look, say, one of the best performers of the year, certainly of the third quarter, is Constellation Energy, and they're trying to reduce their footprint to non, an entire non-carbon in twenty forty. They're already very, very close already to the nineties. Why? Because they're a spin-off of Exelon with nuclear, uh, which is cleaner than we. Rem- you know, it's yes. clean, uh, and they still have some NAT gas. But I would say Enphase and Constellation have been the leaders. Enphase is how to get charging station your home and how to make it so that you're cleaner with batteries. So those are, if you look at those, you certainly feel inspirational. Constellation got big orders from Microsoft trying to get their scope three down. So I think that, let's just use going back to Larry Pinky again, you've got the two leaders that are... In the, in the quarter, that are the most ESG in the S&P. Why not become more ESG in order to be able to track that money that's obviously going to end phase and going to constellation? Yep. Uh, Jim, you mentioned earlier
2: that um, you're doing some work over the weekend, and in fact, you thought Meta and
3: Alphabet were both cheap. Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, mind. but I mean, it started with, uh, look, that Meta happens to have excellent IR, investor relations. It started with the amazement of a positive piece in the New York Times. Uh, I read the entire piece about so the lady who
2: spent the entire piece. Who spent all that time in Horizon, I guess that's yes. the name of the. Uh, it didn't in any way make me want to go into the metaverse. It did. No, it made me want to very much go to the metaverse. Really interesting. Yeah. I just to me it 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 didn't seem well, th- interesting it, it, at all.
3: Wow. Okay. So. Well, it could be like my wife who said, uh, I'm not watching it, I on, like Zuckerberg. She seems like to go to comedy clubs a lot Well, in but, the metaverse. Well, it's just there's a lot to go on in the metaverse. I like the metaverse, but well, it's I It's early like, days, and clearly well, there's going it's to be enormous going right amount but five I, or ten years from now. But I still say... A lot uh, of content. WhatsApp, possibility of, of monetization. WhatsApp has nothing to do with the metaverse. You just no, no, I'm the, saying about the... the I'm the giving company. you the pastiche that is meta.
2: I know, we talk about uh, it a lot. Reels
3: doing better... Um, and yes. the big problem, I think, is still core Insta, and whether you're getting, you just have people not posting or posting TikTok. But I, I found hope in them. Wow, it, well, isn't no, that I, funny? I, thought, that I you would didn't agree think with you
2: that it was a generally a, a relatively positive piece. It, it didn't was. read badly for them. Again, we're talking about a New York Times piece where the reporter spent a lot of time over a period of time in the metaverse at night, putting on the headset, spending hours there, although not plugging in, just though, just spending okay, the two well, hours look, I or so for the battery, people certainly
3: disagree. Meeting I just a number feel that of
2: weird people and a lot of apparently kids. A lot of that was lot kind of kids of, that was felt sort of dangerous,
3: a little of felt a little road people block, who shouldn't be there. Roblox meets uh, Godzilla. But uh, <laughs> no, here we go. And there we are. But I, if I were um, Mark Zuckerberg, I would feel gratified that there are people who are looking at this as, as something that is of the future. we just, no doubt you know, about w- When math. I look at it, I say, well, okay, Ralph Lawrence embraced it as kind of in the mall. But it really should be, if I were them, I would just say, listen, this is the classroom. And I would spend more times in the classroom, creating classrooms, for, particularly for different languages, but also for uh, for math, you know, for skills, for engineering, for people trying to advance. And, Playing patty-cake and, and, with the Zuckerberg. Uh, well, okay, it, it should be Make it teaching and oh jeez, and make it athletic because it's got a mirror component to it. Mirror, well, you right. get that right. off. I I
2: enjoy looking at this all the time. You and you and Mark doing your thing. I think that Mark's right. further along on this. We are now uh, we're now negative on the S and P. Tell me well, about Alphabet, by the way. You know, advertising interesting conversation this morning. I mean, Amazon Alphabet. You know, there's so much advertising. Uh, 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 meta. Thirty-seven percent of all advertising goes to is digital. Right. Why won't Netflix, when it launches this ad tier,
3: people are talking about? It.
2: Why is Netflix not going to have success there? Oh, why I aren't they, they going to be able to replicate, well, to a certain extent, the market shares already? And by the way, is that in turn then bad for well, the traditional media? That
3: was top ten uh,
2: performer in the third quarter. It was. So yes, it, it was. was on the ten. Many would say because right. of the strength right. of the introduction, finally, right. as investors had been urging them for years, of an Avod platform.
3: We'll see when it rolls out. Could it be early next year. I'm hearing sooner, perhaps. OK, so Alphabet's got a, a combination of when you look it up, you can buy it. Very Amazon-like. But the, the blue dot, what people are recognizing, if you are a small business, is that they give you a report which tells you whether they got the customer to you. Uh, because right. you follow the blue dot, uh, which is, shows you where well, you get up from a subway stop and find me the best uh, French restaurant. It is a, the ROI of a dollar given to Google is so much superior to everything other than perhaps Amazon that it really makes no sense. It's kind of like if there's only like two TV stations. Right. And that matters tremendously because Twitter is not a TV station yet. But you have Google and Amazon, and a lot of the people who are putting money realize it's game, set, match. Let's just put money with those two. And that's what's happening. That's why Twitter was so interesting that Carl Icahn found it was, might the risk reward might not be that bad in the 30s for Twitter. And I'm sure you have some, some well, discussion. Yeah, about I
2: mean, uh, Icahn started as a risk arb. He was just playing risk arb there. He's made some money. Not nearly as much, by the way, as Pentwater. Matt Halbaro came on with me a number of weeks ago talking about all the reasons why he felt the deal was going to actually go through and they were going to prevail in court. Um, You know, a lot of people focus on Icon because he's Icon. Uh, But he was just playing, you know, he's a risk guard. I mean, he saw an opportunity there. Good for him. He made some money, as I said. uh, There are a number of other investors who made more. Um, But uh, moving on to Twitter itself, you can see the stock is up 2.2%. People sort of, you know, coming back to what happened in court last week. And um, feeling essentially that they are, this judge is not going to let them not close. No. Um, no the representations that have been made uh, put them in a position where, as we've said, they, they would end up back in Delaware in court very quickly, and I think we all would know the outcome if that were to be the case. Um, still waiting on some you know uh, some data points along the way. Um, don't know if the the, the banks have been asked to fund yet and or invoke their marketing period 15 days, I don't know that they're going to want to market this debt yet. The market's not great for marketing this debt. There's going to be a loss associated with the 13, $12.5 billion that Morgan Stanley is leading with a consortium of other banks. Marketing means selling it down to other banks, but they'd have to take a haircut in order to do that. Um, But Jim, we're counting down now. And then the question becomes, really, and we'll have to start to talk more about this in the coming weeks. What is Twitter going to look like, A, as a private company, we won't be talking about it any longer in terms of the performance of the stock, but more as a, as a business. Mr. Musk will have put 25 of his own billions into it, right. not to mention the seven he's raising from his friends. Um,
3: well, how's be, he going to change it? Well, I, I know uh, the company's working on becoming better at advertising, but they're not ready. Not ready, which is really interesting because, you know, Google is pointing money, and of course, Amazon. They're yeah. also not ready with using direct message right. as a way for, say, a bank to be able to connect and see if you're really in Mexico. They have not been able to do that. Those are, are, are two easy things to do uh, against this, David, is that there really is no real way to, to sugarcoat it. Their revenues have just been just bad. Right now, David, one of the areas that we have to talk about endlessly—I hate to say—semiconductors is semiconductors as being uh, a, just market poison, not a market laggard, but a poison. Now we mentioned—I mentioned something positive about Nvidia. No one really cares. There's a very big gaming cycle that kicks in in January. No one cares. This stock, along with AMD and Intel, have been uh, really black holes, and a lot of people own them. I can make a case that there'll come a time to own them. I, own, I owned uh, AMD, NVIDIA, they're sold both a down, lot. Both it's, down 60% it's to buy for more. the year,
2: uh, NVIDIA and uh, AMD. Wait, almost, so almost identical And people are
3: worried about Intel's dividend. Uh, you know that Pat Gelsinger is pretty much assured that you're fine, but they have to spend a lot of money on capex. Um, but you know what? You know who keeps coming back to someone who was too bullish? Uh, Enrique Lourdes, HPQ. Yeah. And apparently... I think felt that things were going to stay strong for a long time. Yields for I wouldn't touch it. Okay. I want to
2: come back to a couple of quick things. Kraft Heinz is up over 4%. You mentioned at the board when we did the mad dash because downgrade of, uh, of P&G. But, um Goldman saying moving to Kraft Heinz,
3: but really it's at least Actually, it's risky. not been of a, group. a bad
2: performer this year. It's only down six and a half percent. No, no I, um, and then finally no. we do have cable up a bit, uh, which is not saying much given the carnage in cable. Moffat Nathan sent out with a note this morning saying things may be a bit overdone. Yes, barb well, probably coming down. Will there be a price for him? maybe? Don't forget the cost of capital. Weighted cost of capital has gone up for so many of these. Um, well, among uh, these companies, but their price targets are far above where many of these stocks are, right. at least in the case of Charter, and our parent company, Comcast, which still
3: is below $30. Right, well, Nasdaq uh, in Q3, both Comcast and Charter were among the top ten worst performers. Highly usual to see that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the semis hadn't gotten there yet. Now the semis are really going to be dominant in Q4, I think, as, as being the, As the losers. Years.
2: Um, All right. Hey, Bob Bassani, I think you're out there somewhere as we take a look at the uh, poor performance of our parent company. Yeah. Speaking of the market itself, take it away.
4: We've got good support in the 3600 level. Uh, If you look at the decliners, uh, Ford's the biggest decliner, down about 6%. So is GM. Uh, There's that UBS downgrade. Mostly it's defensive names. So you see Merck, uh, Walgreens, Boots Alliance uh, doing well. What I care about is the risk-on sectors. I keep emphasizing the market kind of moves in relation to these risk-on and risk-off sectors. So take a look at what we have today on that. Sector's uh, metal stocks uh, up somewhat arc innovation down somewhat transports which is a key here fedex has stopped going down last week that's a that's certainly a very good sign that's fracture on the upside and they semi uh, semiconductors that's the smh that's the other risk on sector so you see very split here it's three to two advancing to declining stocks take a look uh, at the semis here the uh, semiconductor capital equipment stocks all down today applied materials did get a uh, downgrade over at wells fargo the price cut uh, there and the, the hard to figure out how these new curves or potential new curves on Chinese tech stocks or uh, semiconductors would matter at this point, but you see the decline there in some of these semiconductor equipment names. The bond market's not open, but importantly, bond ETFs are trading. And sort of a mixed day here. There's the 20-year Treasury Plus bond. That's the TLT. That's the biggest Treasury bond that's out there. Uh, that's down for actual, which means yields are up. This is price indications. Corporate bond down slightly. Uh, and there's the short-term, VCSH's short-term uh, uh, bonds here for the uh, for the. Um, for Vanguard, uh, and that's basically on the flat side. So these are still trading uh, right now. In terms of earnings season, I'm calling it an earnings purgatory season. That's what we're entering because it's sort of the, next, the same quarter as the last one here. So we're expecting earnings to be up 4% for the third quarter. But take out energy. I keep talking about, the distortion that energy provides here, the the profits are so great that if you take them out, it's actually down 2.6%. This is also true for the fourth quarter. So the earnings season's trends. We've got about 20 companies reporting, and it's kind of disappointing, actually. Um, Besides FedEx, we've had fewer companies beating estimates overall. The earnings beats, the amount by which they're beating, the percentage is smaller than it historically has been, and there's a higher number of negative revisions. What we care about is what are they estimating is going to happen in the fourth quarter And there's been a very high number of revisions downward for the fourth quarter. So let me show you the fourth quarter estimates, because that's what everybody's trying to figure out right now. These are fourth quarter numbers. Energy's the big outperformer. Look at that. 62 percent. And the amount of the the dollar value is so high, it's dragging the S&P up with it. But if you look carefully, they've been cutting estimates in the more uh, cyclical sectors like communication services down almost 10 percent. That's been going down regularly. Banks have been down. Consumer discretionary also a bit on the lower side and materials have gone negative two down two point one percent there's a a big classic risk on sector the tech sector is still expected to be up for the fourth quarter, but only fractionally. You see that 0.2%? That is likely going to go negative this week. So again, look under the hood, and you can see a lot of things going on. Now, we're going to get, of course, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, uh, David, uh, in the next uh, few days. Friday, we'll be getting that. But I would say right now here, we have maximum uncertainty. We don't have the CPI numbers or the PPI numbers. We'll get them later this week. And we don't have real big companies reporting earnings yet until Friday. So let's just call this maximum uncertainty. It's fine we have
2: a nice little update, but nobody's got a lot of conviction. We need more data. David, back to you. Need more data. Bob, thank you. Bob Pisani. As a reminder, you can get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Sign up, thank find you. out more at cnbc.com slash join the club or just point your phone at the QR code you see right there on your screen. and we will take you there. Before we head to a break, uh, it is I guess we still do a bond report. Yeah, hey, sure. Why not? Yeah, Thanks. Let's take a look. Uh, there you see where we stand on yields. Um, as we said, the bond market is not actually open. That never stops us, because we're here. We're back after this. Let's take a look at Merck shares. Uh, Bob mentioned it briefly. Uh, it was an upgrade from Guggenheim. Uh, there uh, were Their upgrade this morning uh, to buy from neutral. And it's, it's based on their franchise, their key drugs. Keytruda uh, and Gardasil remain very positive in terms of growth product, uh, products for the company and the business trajectory that they see. Merck share is having a nice morning, not to mention a nice year. We're back after this. Uh, Apple is the name, yeah. still
3: outperforming the S&P, but only by about 200 basis well, points. I, I happen to like Wamsi Mohan. He's an analyst from Bank of America. He downgraded the stock. And one of the things that I think you and I are going to have to be focused on all year is that he's talking about 2023 earnings being down in 2022. And this is the thing we have to think about because you're taught as an analyst at a portfolio manager, you can't buy a stock. Whose earnings are going to be down in the following year. Even the oil stocks, people are worried about it. But again, you know, iPad revenues, I don't really think iPad revenues are that important, but he talks about it, that headwinds uh, involving t- smaller parts of the chain of Apple. Now, I think you said it best before I even said it, which is I was going to say that, and yet it's still hanging Yeah, uh, it is. A piece like this says that you have to avoid it. Now, I always say own oh, it, don't trade it, because I don't know when to get, like Procter, I don't know when to get back in. And maybe some people are just saying, why is that even an issue? Just stay out. Just get into the two-year. My answer to those people is, is that stocks historically have outperformed the 2 There you go. So, and, All right. What do we got on Matt tonight? Okay. Uh, I'm doing my analysis of what, uh, of, of the quarter, but I've got a Damon John, who is just, to me, an inspiration And we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. Uh, I like it. I like what he's doing. Yeah, you always love bringing him on. Well, you know, he's got a very positive uh, and empirical perspective. Right. I like that.
2: Okay. Right over there. He doesn't have to walk far. It's a much easier commute than it used to be. Thank you. From this set to that set.
1: You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.
6: What's on the horizon for financial markets?